This episode is sponsored by Exactuals, perfecting insurance payments and the data driving them. I, I'll, put my, my, I'll put my special interview hat on in a second. Go for it. It's very important to sh- I wear my interview hat. Is that your interview? Special interview hat. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think... I was sure that it's going to be the top hat. You know, well... So that top hat, that top hat is sadly not very comfortable to wear. Kind of presses at the edge of my head. You know that it's going into the podcast, right? That's fine. There is no, Look, there is no chance I'm cutting there out There needs to be more yeah. humanity in the insurance industry. We need to see that insurance leaders are not just figures and numbers people, they're also hat people. Gotcha. And it starts from the head. That's so... A CEO, founder of an insurance company, he's a human being. Sometimes. Not always. Sometimes. Not always. Okay, so it's a question of big numbers. (laughs) Big numbers, small hat. Gilad, thank you very much for having me today. Just. Is it just insurance or just just? Okay, so we like to think about, I like to just use the word just. But we are we are okay. we we're now sort of rebranding as just insure, and that's because our well two reasons. Uh, the main reason is that our domain name is just dot insure, no com, just dot insure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the second thing is that we were just auto insurance, but there's a um, an insurance agency in California that does not have very good reviews called Just Auto Insurance, and when people search for them. Search for us, they find them, and that's not good. So just insure. Okay. And 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 and, and God, the the just bit is very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only is it only four letters long, but it means, according to the dictionary, fair, moral, and right. And our goal oh. is to build an insurance company that behaves fairly, morally, and rightly. So was that part of the original? thought and branding so it will be just not ah, just insurance you get it you know plain vanilla no no, no absolutely no the just was a mission statement around morality and about doing things right and our mission from the beginning was how do we take insurance and how do we make it so that we are measuring risk directly and not measuring things that correlate on average with risk and by the way i, I am not arrogant enough to think that we are the only people doing this or even the best however that is crucial to what we're doing i you know when you say that i i i just ran in my mind can you actually do a pull in terms of that brand the brand awareness if you see it as just as justice or just just as that's it what it's you nice to have it both but it is definitely justice and justice yeah can i t- can i tell you a small Good. story um just.com is currently about, is, mm-hmm. is like owned by a domain squatter. So I looked up just.com, looked up on the internet who it's owned by. It's owned by somebody in uh, South Korea or Korea. So I reach out and I say, hi, um, you're not using just.com. Would you be interested in selling it? Uh, and the guy said, uh, came back and said, I have received an offer of $1 billion for just.com. Uh, and I have counteroffered with $20 billion. I was like, that's terrific. I said, look, just so you know, the all-time record 
for a domain name sale was only like 150 million dollars so i would advise you to take the three i would advise you to take the billion dollars if i was you um strangely uh he's still sitting on just.com and it hasn't gone yet so maybe maybe the billion fell through yeah maybe maybe you know there are more and more billionaires uh, in asia pacific and kudos to him you know that was i personally a, a lot of patience I would, if someone offered me you could charge a billion dollars at just.com i'd choose the billion dollars yeah i don't mind billion dollars I'll pay you the 50% or whatever, how much tax you want on it. And even if it's a fund, I don't know. Let's assume he bought it at $12 a year, $20 a year, and he's been sitting on it for 20 years. Still worth it. At some as point, an investment, you, most definitely. you can't spend it when you're dead. Uh, and uh, I heard that. Although there are many trusts, children that will disagree but yeah let's go with it okay Gilad what 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 can I what can I tell you or what can I how, how, how can I be interesting well you've been interesting so far great job so let's start with more you know more background more information about you and not just you know having a collection of at least two heads one of them is a top head um given the fact that i think that you are the third or the fourth person with an english accent on the show um can you give more information about yourself and the fact that you, you are coming from gaming sure well, well when is it gaming sports betting so there are two i was trying to be <laughs> nice well now here's, here's the thing you know um there are professional sports bettors there are, in fact, there's quite a few professional sports bettors. Um, there's a guy in London with a business called Star Lizard, uh, who owns um, Brighton and Home Albion Football Club, a guy called Tony Bloom. There's a guy in Tasmania. And these are guys that have made many, many hundreds of millions or even billions of dollars out of sports betting. Um, and they have basically built algorithmic models that, that result in pricing things better than sports betting companies do. Um, nobody has built a business around playing roulette. Uh, you know, there is no skill involved. There is no way to get any kind of informational edge. Uh, you know, even even you, know, you get maybe in blackjack, you might be able to squeak out minimum wage these days if you can't count, maybe. Um, but sports betting, sports betting is still a space where you can have informational uh, and, you know, <laughs> it, you can make money. Um, so I founded a business called Genius Sports. And what Genius Sports did or does is it produces real-time pricing of sporting events so in the old days um if you i don't know if you've ever watched the movie casino uh in in casino robert de niro starts his career as the guy that sets the lines in in sports betting it's like you know so it's going to be the you know the the Kaiser, the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers you know and you know the line is Tampa Bay plus seven or whatever um, and he would be the guy, and he would know everything about American football, and he would like who's fit, who's not fit to go through. And, and there would be this one thing you bet on, and you bet on before the match. Um, but what happened was, particularly in Europe, uh, you know, people got smartphones. Um, the internet meant that there was lots of streaming video. You know, you, you could watch a game of soccer at any time you liked, uh, or tennis or whatever. And people wanted to, to gamble on those events as they were going on. 
Um, and so what Genius Sports did was they built algorithms uh, to enable real-time pricing based upon, you know, certain sets of inputs, algorithm, output prices. So that was, that was kind of interesting and sophisticated and great fun. Um, and then the question was, how can we do that with um, uh, insurance? Yeah, I was just about to stop you so I can ask you, and that's the main reason I ask you about sports algorithms and data, because from here, from statistics, how do you take that information, that knowledge into insurance? Well, they're both, they're, ultimately, they are two businesses that are about probability. What is the probability that this team will score? What is the probability this person will have an accident? And again, you are trying to draw as many things as possible. So historically, you know, taking our casino example, um, you're looking at who's playing and their history and, you know, maybe what the weather's like. Maybe. Now, when you're betting in real life, in, in, in real time, you need to bring in more things. You know, who's on the pitch right now? Where are they standing? Where's the ball? Um, who is doing a better job of passing? Who's doing a better job of running? You're bringing in all these real-time variables and trying to set prices like with auto insurance in the old days, where you set a price based upon some demographic factors for 12 months to one where you were trying to, in real time, calculate probabilities. And of course, just as the mobile phone enabled people to bet uh, in real time, the mobile phone has enabled us to track driving in real time. Um, now, again, you know this is not, not unique in any way you shared before, but you now have the technology in vehicles just through your mobile phone to know when people drive, how much they drive, where they drive, um, you know, and there are a lot of interesting and predictive things that come out of that. Um, mostly the interesting and predictive things are not the things that telematics models are, are built around today. So um, harsh braking, for example, is actually, as far as I can tell, has, has, has no, no predictive power. So all harsh braking measures do your brakes work. Because right now, you get a low harsh braking score if your brakes don't work very well and you slow down slowly. So, you know, um, the predictive models that work really are, or have the greatest predictive things, are where do you drive, when do you drive, you know, where are you driving from and to? Are you driving home from a bar at two in the morning or from your kids' school at two in the afternoon? Um, and we have tried to bring those things in. And hopefully what we can do as well is we can start then using that to change customer behavior. And, you know, I think the really interesting thing about all of the telematics is not about can I price you $2 better a month? It's can I change your behavior? So that Gilad is 20, 30% less likely to have an accident. Because if you can, you can reduce the number of accidents on the road and you can reduce the cost of auto insurance. So you touch a little bit about telematics and we see more and more companies that play in it. Uh, now there is the IPO with Druid. We're expecting to see their first uh, uh, public quarterly report after their IPO. I don't really want to jump who is better, who is worse, but what makes it? What makes you guys special? Because we see that more and more. So what makes us special? So it's, it's, it's an excellent question. So so, so 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 there are telematics offerings. Let's just let's just do some name checking, shall we? Uh, there's some really good next gen stuff from Motion Auto. Uh, some pretty good next gen stuff from Nobla. 
Um, there is some pretty good to very good driving behavior stuff from uh, from Root. And then there's a bunch of crap. I mean, and by crap, I mean the stuff that's old and based around, you know, just a few metrics of safe driving behavior. Um, there are then also some people that are trying to build things like loop around where you're driving. Everybody, everybody has got something they're reasonably good at. Almost everybody's got something they're reasonably good at. Um, what's unique about us is not our telematics model, although I think that's kick-ass. What's unique about us is the fact that we have reimagined auto insurance around telematics. So instead of being a product that you buy on a six or 12 month contract, this is auto insurance that looks like a prepaid phone card. You get your phone, you sign up in less than a minute, you put money in your account, and as you drive around, your balance goes down. That's our model, and the price we give you is good for 30 days, and every 30 days we change your price. And that means we can change your price up or down. Uh, and that is, that is you know, a, a revolution almost in how, in how this stuff is done, because with the exception of Root, everybody else almost has this drive really well and earn a discount, which is a terrible consumer proposition and does not enable you to do the one thing you want to do above all else, get rid of bad customers. This should be all about identifying the 20% of customers who are significantly more likely than their demographic group to have an accident and churning them off. That's that's the business we should be in. And okay, that, that opens up a can of all kinds of different problems. Uh, but let's start with the good problems. So, which I already forgot what they are because the moment that you talked about we need to churn them out, it's a question, it's a little bit of a regulation question in terms of, okay, how do we make sure that everyone is covered? And I heard that in the past by a certain a German company that said, you know, we do our best not to pay, uh, to pay claims because that's the way to prevent retention and the people who submit a claim, we don't want them. And it feels to me that it creates that policy and then we're going to find all kinds of groups of people that are not insured, cannot be insured. Well, it's very important. People can, Again, we, 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 sort of a, we do not, no matter how bad your driving scores are, we do not not offer coverage. So you can, you can be a really terrible driver or still be a price. The thing is though, that price will be really high. Um, so, but it reflects the risk. If you lean on your horn, if you drive home from bars at two o'clock in the morning, then your risk is high and I have to be compensated for that. But you know what? If I'm offering, if I'm trying to charge you a dollar a mile, I'm not the, the you're, I'm not the right product for you. Go to Geico, go to Liberty Mutual, go to the general. Um, I'm in the business of finding people who want a flexible product what a per mile product and who have good driving habits. If, if you're in that category, and it might be a very small category, I have a fabulous product for you. Now, you mentioned that every month you're offering a new product, uh, sorry, a new price. Correct. Now, is that... So, so, so ours is structured as a 30-day non-renewing contract. Non-renewing. Now, do you run the calculation again? Do you need 
to submit a new filing with the regulators every month if you are improving the algorithm? So, 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 so every time we change the algorithm, we have to file with the regulators. It, it is the nature of insurance. Um, and I have backed up uh, in my data. So, and, and of course, the problem is it's like this, right? Which is, if I put in 10 different things into my filing, then it can take six months to get through the department. So you end up basically putting things more slowly into the filing than we would like, uh, because you, you need to get something approved, particularly you need to get new stuff approved. Um, but what's quite exciting about this 30-day model as well is, um, let's say I introduce, let, so here's something we're working on, right? I have GPS tracks of vehicles. I know where traffic signals are. So if I basically take every, if I take Gilad and I say, Gilad, let's, let's pretend it's going a straight line through all these traffic signals, distance to the traffic signal, distance afterwards. Now, if you're going straight through. Now, um, let's look at all the times when you stop at the traffic signal. How early before did you start to slow down? Let's look at all the times when you didn't slow at all. Okay, those were green lights. Okay, for ones where, and by the way, you maybe go through 10, 12,000 traffic signals a year. So there's, there's plenty to work on over the course of a year. What is the point distance or time-wise at which you make that choice between whether to put your accelerator down or put the brake down? Now, I can, using statistical analysis, work out on average how far away you make that decision. I don't know yet whether that is predictive. I suspect it probably is mildly. I suspect people that put their foot down when they're further away to try and get through the lights are more likely to have accidents, are more likely to run a red by accident. I don't know that, but it's, 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 it's a reasonable supposition. And that's something that I can measure today. But realistically, what does that add? Really? I mean, you know, half a percent, I'm going to do it because I, every half a percent matters. Uh, but really, the big things that allow me to identify with somebody as a driver I want are, you know, do they drive home from bars late at night? It's really not complicated. Do they drive home from sports stadiums late at night? You know, um, you know, people driving home from sports games, even more or as dangerous to drive home from bars, usually because they've been drinking in the afternoon and don't realise. I love that. No, seriously. I wonder... It's a nice, it's a nice combining I... of my um, sporting background and the insurance background. No, the only thing I'm, I'm thinking if uh, most likely you are not selling in California, no. just, you know, talking about our lovely city of Los Angeles and uh, the traffic and the accidents that we see here. Uh, yeah, it's during the day, during the night and mainly on left turns. Uh, sadly, recently, um, a friend was in an accident during the day. He was out jogging and a drunker driver hit him. Morning, 9, 8 a.m. That is pretty awful. Yeah, but, you know, that according to the algorithm, that guy was okay because it, he was coming back from an after party or yep. after after party. Well, that's all right, then. <laughs> yeah, it was night or early um, morning drinking. So, but it's, it's interesting as well, you know, because you can use telematics. But again, this is stuff that, that's, you know, yeah. we're only scratching this. We and Nobler and all the rest are only scratching the surface here. But, you know, there are some very interesting telltale signs that you can get with people. You know, I mentioned that the traffic lights thing, you know, people who are drunk tend to overcompensate, uh, you know, by slowing down long before they get to the thing slowing down unreasonably things. These are all markers which you can 
can get. And, and, and what you've got to do in many ways is, you know, with our 30-day policy thing, we've kind of changed the focus. We're not thinking, uh, oh, how do we improve the retention of the best customers? Because that's kind of what you're doing with the discount game. Instead, we're thinking, um, how do we identify the really risky drivers? How do we identify the behaviors we really don't like? And I think that's what philosophically makes us quite different from some of the other players here. So you're offering, I'm sorry, before I jump into that, uh, where are you now? Where are you selling? We are selling in Arizona. Arizona. We will be launching yeah. um, in a further three to four states this year. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, that's a big move to, you know, to step out from the first state then the three. Well, um, I'll just put my bet on, um, so Arizona, that's where Arizona and Texas, that's where usually people start. Well, so we're, uh, so, maybe so, te Florida, so te 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 Texas will be probably a little later because it's quite big. But, but in the next ones, I, and, 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 you know, I, I was filling in forms on, signing forms on Monday uh, for Georgia and Ohio. So they'll be our next two states. I look, the reality is everybody with the telematics product has a very similar set of states they'll be launching in. Because there's, you know, where you, there's no point in launching in tiny states where there's no market, because it's the same amount of effort to go through Department of Insurance approvals for Wyoming as it is for well, California, Wyoming as it is for Texas, right? Uh, you want to be in a state. In our in our case, you know, you're selling a per mile product where there's quite a lot of variability in some urban areas, because that will appeal to people. Uh, you don't want to be somewhere that's too litigious. That counts Nevada out, and you want somewhere that is. Um, Telematics friendly. So everybody is in the sort of same five, six states, you know, and so so there's no doubt that on our list as well coming in the next couple of years will be Utah and Colorado um, because they are, again, relatively telematics friendly. How insurance companies, the incumbents, compete with you? They Is it just partnering up with CMT, uh, Ocho or Arity? Oh, well, uh, this is a much, much overused phrase. We are not, but we are not selling an insurance product that looks like anybody else. Telema yeah, te te consumers don't care about telematics. I care about telematics because it means that I can keep the best risks, right? Um, but consumers don't care about telematics. Consumers care about flexibility. Consumers care about ease of use. Consumers care about what they're paying. Um, so what I am selling from a consumer proposition, what is the, you know, is something that, there is no long-term commitment. That if your car isn't driving, you're not paying. Uh, that you don't have to call an agent. You can get in a few seconds. Everything through the app. Now that's what I'm. That you know, that's what I'm selling. And also, of course, this idea that you know, you will save money because you're only paying for the miles you drive, which is quite important in a pandemic world. Yes, and I'm surprised not to see Metro Mile and in the other, which is. Pay by mile, just booming. Now. Yeah, mile auto. Yeah, so yeah. I, look, I, both of those guys. But here's the thing, right? They're, the 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 target market for mile auto and metro mile is you or me, Gillard. It's basically, oh, you've got two cars. You know, if you've got two cars, you're probably still only driving ten thousand miles a year, but it'll be five thousand each. Therefore, I can give you discounts for the two cars. It's not a bad idea. People like you and me. You know, we, we pay our bills on time. We don't have accidents. Not there are worse ideas. But my view is that actually the, the market segment that benefits most from telematics pricing and telematics type products is not you or me. 
it is lowering consumers. So you started the product when you when you launched the uh, the company with was it was it second hand car lots? Well, so that was the original was plan. Reality intervened. Uh, and so we launched with a live and again this is where you know my lack of experience in the insurance industry uh, was rapidly uh, came issue. Fortunately I learned quickly. Um, so we were we, we planned to launch we planned to distribute via uh, youth auto dealerships because having a product where you can get insurance very very quickly is it's very valuable you know if you go to an auto dealership you know they just sold you an, a car you want to get insurance to get off the lot as quickly as possible um, but um, it turned out that you need to have full coverage for that because um, you can't be in that space because most cars are financed without uh, insurance so um, we've only just recently launched full coverage so that is beginning to start moving the dealership channel now but most of our most of our customers have come well by the way <laughs> I, I mentioned this, I'm very proud of this. Half of our customers come organically or via referrals. Half. Um, and that's because it's a product that nobody else has. You know, it's, it's so flexible. And that's, that's, a really, that's a really encouraging sign from our perspective. Now you can buy a car online. So is that a good opportunity for you to offer insurance as part of that package because they sell the car, they sell the financing, yes. they sell the entire the package. You're, anything, okay, get, you've got to get insurance now, you might as well buy it through us, we can, we can make it really slick, yes. Um, but actually, I think, you know, if you look at our instant insurance and how quick it is to get, there are other markets which are perhaps more interesting. Um, so, you know Turo, of course, right? Um, all of those peer-to-peer car rental companies, they pay horrendous sums uh, to basically insure the cars that are being rented out by their customers. Um, now, there's interesting subrogation stuff there, but we're not going to get, we're, we're, I won't get, I won't, we'll just not go down that line. Um, uh, I spoke to one company that was doing $4 million of, of revenue, as in $4 million commission. Uh, they were spending $1.2 million on insuring their customers' cars, their partners' cars. Um, they are very, very interested in the idea of introducing an instant get telematics insurance product there, you know, and moving that cost onto the consumer and also making it a much more reasonable one, you know, because it depends on how much you drive and how you drive becomes the price. Um, and then there are other bits that work really well with as well. Let's say you're renting out your BMW. You might want to say you only want to rent it to safer drivers. The fact that we have telematics that enables us to say that Gilad is a safer driver, that makes somebody more comfortable about renting a high-performance car. So um, insurance on demand, insurance being distributed by other people. Um, you know, really, you know, as to come back to the point I made earlier, what makes, what makes our product appealing more than anything else is the incredible ease and, which you can get it and the flexibility of it. Telematics. That makes our returns great, but it's not a consumer proposition. Oh, that's actually a brilliant idea, because what you can provide is something which is similar to um, not corporate credit card, but the corporate uh, debit card that you charge it in advance and give that to the employees to use a rental car or a fleet, a car from the, their fleet. That's actually... A very oh. interesting uh, proposition. And look, <laughs> when you get to the prepay thing and thinking about it in terms of these cards and things, there are other things as well. Let's say your nephew 
He's driving without insurance. You can give him the gift of auto insurance. $30 of auto insurance credit, so he's not driving illegally. You know, there are a ton of interesting opportunities here about being able to get stuff out of people's hands once you are willing to break away from what a traditional insurance contract looks like. Yeah, I love the fact that you're already cutting it and there are other niches within the market that you can increase your oh. original value proposition. Exactly. You've all been, we've all been at the airport, right? And you know, you're, you're renting a car and they go, would you like insurance with that? And you're like, how much will that be? And they're like, $30 a day. And you're like, you're kidding me. I mean, I spend like, I get a month's insurance for like 100 bucks. And you want to sell me a day's insurance of $30, right? And I'm, I'm renting this car. That, that's, that, there's no, that has some of the highest margin stuff in the world. And by the way, Europe and Avis car make more money out of insurance than they do out of renting cars. But actually, you know that already. Um, I can be there and I can sell them an insurance product that is better and as quick to get through the phone. Why not? It's a niche and I can, you know, I can make good money out of it. By the way, what do you think about the, the car industry, the car manufacturers? And let's not talk about Tesla. What do you think about, you know, Ford, GM, BMW, and these guys that offer insurance as part of their package? Good for them. I, you know. Okay, great. More the merrier. Um, I am. Um, I think that for people buying new vehicles, uh, for people buying Teslas, um, they have an enormous amount of data. Uh, you know, they will know how much you spend on autopilot as opposed to other things. Um, you know, I think as far as sensor data and driving habits data, I not do a very good job and amount of driving I'm doing. And I think there will be fearsome competitors there. I think they will be weaker in knowing where accidents happen I think they'll be weaker as well in terms of thinking about um, some things about, you know, driving back from bars or whatever. Uh, so, um, but they will be competitors. But here's the great joy about our positioning. Our positioning, when I said, you know, we are looking, well, whether it's the second-hand car lots or what I said earlier about how the beneficiaries of telematics are lower-income consumers, these people are not going to be buying Ford or Tesla or GM you know, insurance, you know, because they're not buying new cars. They're not buying secondhand cars. They're not buying cars from franchise dealers. They're buying cars from Joe's Autos. Um, and Joe's Autos isn't in the business of selling auto insurance. Uh, and uh, the vehicle they're getting probably doesn't have the stuff to get advanced telematics out. You know, you use, uh, you, you probably use, um, you know, uh, car, Apple Park CarPlay. Our customers use tech decks. Pandemic. So, final question, and that's a question that I'm asking everyone. We've been in this pandemic, this COVID routine. Do you have any book recommendations or life hacks that you can recommend people? Uh, so, I read a fantastic trilogy of books by a guy called Ian Toll, T-O-L-L, -L, which is about the war in the Pacific. Um, uh, which I highly recommend. Uh, you do need to commit quite a lot of time. It took me, it took me like two months to get through the full three books from start to finish, but they they were terrific. Um, life hacks? Uh, no, don't get a dog. That would be my personal okay. life hack. Okay, that's very sad. And what's the name of the chess application that you mentioned? Uh, I, I think it was just the chess.com app. 
Okay, fantastic. Awesome. Robert, thank you very, very much for joining me for this podcast. A pleasure. Take care, Galat.